Today's gospel is from Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Here ends the reading. You may now be seated. There are two things I would like to celebrate with you this morning about Easter faith. Two things. But before we get to that, I think it's always fun and good to know who we're worshiping with and, and uh, people around us. And uh, I like to know, uh, as I begin uh, a few comments to you in the Easter sermon, uh, who I'm preaching to. So it's good to know your audience. I'm going to start out, give you some choices, and I want you to uh, respond with, that's me. So I'm going to show you and give you some choices, and then I'm going to say them again, each one. And then if I say that one, you say, that's me. Okay? I'm, you have to choose one or the other. You don't, there's no other option. Okay? So try, that's me. that's me. All right. We'll start out with an easy one. If you had to choose between a chocolate bunny or peeps. Okay, chocolate bunny. Peeps. Wow. We are a chocolate-loving community. Now, I'm not saying I'm just saying, but we know 700 million peeps are eaten every year, so I'm not saying you're lying, but okay. All right, here we go with the next one. Let's bring it up. White Sox or Cubs? White Sox. Cubs. All right, Cubs fans. Just because you yell louder than us doesn't make you, doesn't mean there's more of you here, okay? Our 10-year rebuild's going great, so just... Just wait. All right, let's bring up the next one. White Castle or White Castle? <laughs> There's no choice. Is there really any other option? I have a dream. One Easter, I'm going to wake up, and outside my bedroom door, I'm going to find a basket full of sliders. 
That would be the best Easter ever. So yeah, you don't get a choice here. Let's get serious for a second. Eternal life with God or eternal separation from God? Eternal life in God's heaven or eternal separation from God? Now, I'm not going to have you answer that one out loud. I'll tell you what, we'll come back to that one. I want to share a quote with you from author and pastor and theologian Timothy Keller from The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism, and he writes, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. We are here this morning and people throughout the community and the state and the nation and every nation all around the world are celebrating the Easter story, the event, the monumental event in Christian tradition that Jesus, who was put to death by the Roman authorities via the religious leaders of the day, put to death on a Friday, and as promised, three, years, three days later, he would rise from the grave. How can it be? How can that be? But it is the pivotal event in human history. Did it happen or not? Let's go back to the text from today, Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb of Jesus. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. The men said, why do you look for the living among the dead, he's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Stop. Why did they wait till Sunday morning to go? Well, he died on Friday, and it was their custom of their faith. You could not lift a finger or do any work on the Sabbath. So the burial spices they prepared on Friday for their close friend and, and the person they loved, Jesus, they had to wait until sunrise on Sunday. And they went to the tomb, and none of them were expecting a resurrection, were they? There was no countdown. There were no seven, six, five, four, cue the sun, three, two, get the streamers ready. Here we go. Bring the crystal ball down. He's going to rise. Uh-uh. Just women mourning, grieving the loss of a loved one going to the tomb early in the morning. But told the good news. But when they left, they, no one ran out. 
No one ran out. None of those women ran out shouting, Hallelujah, he is risen. They, they went back, and what, did, what happened? Well, we learn in 24 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the other 11 disciples, who, by the way, were hiding out for their very lives. These 11 guys weren't expecting a resurrection either. And the women tell them, we read from the scripture, and we read their words seem to the disciples like nonsense. So if you're here this morning and you're not sure what to think about this story or you're not a Christian or you were a Christian but you're not right now or your family dragged you here today and you don't want to be here because you don't really get into this or you just think this is where you're supposed to be on Easter so why not? But if you're in that category of not knowing what to think about this story, I want you to know something. You have good company. You're in good company with the women on that first Easter morning who went to the tomb. You're the, the disciples who said, this is nonsense. So what happened that changed everything? Because the women told them what the messengers from God told them at the tomb, where Jesus' body wasn't there. What, what possibly could have happened? Well, that's where the first Easter uh, celebration comes in today I want to share with you. And it's this. Easter faith changes lives. Everyone say that with me. Easter faith changes lives. Luke 24, verse 12, after the women told the disciples and they said, that's a bunch of nonsense. Peter, in verse 12, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, the very strips of linen that were wrapped around the corpse of his friend Jesus. And he went away. Wondering to himself what had happened. Again, no, he is risen. No, hallelujah. No, Peter beelining it to the center of town in Jerusalem to start preaching. No. Where did he go? Back to the disciples. Lock the door. What's going on? Where's our Lord? Where did they take his body? What's going on? But his life was about to change radically. His life was about to be rocked. And we'll come back to that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about my sophomore year at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. I was a sophomore. Now, i got to rewind the tape. Freshman year, four of us did life together. We did everything together. My roommate from high school and two guys down the hall from Duluth, Minnesota. We were best pals freshman year. We uh, did everything together. We went to meals together. We went to campus activities and sporting events together. We stayed up till 2 in the morning playing the game of Risk together for world domination. We did life together, but sophomore year, something changed. We went to lunch in the cafeteria. Where was Eric? We started a game of risk. Where was Eric? Because his favorite move was Alaska to Kamchatka. He wasn't there. Where's Eric? Going to the hockey game. Where's Eric? Going to the, the uh, concert. Where's Eric? Not around. Let me tell you where Eric was. He was with Alyssa. 
Alyssa was a sophomore transfer into Concordia. She was at St. Olaf, but she saw the light, so she came over. And the three of us, his best pals, decided we had to do intervention. We have to do intervention with our good friend. They met in Norwegian class. Yes, I said Norwegian class. Eric was fluent in Norwegian, so he was getting the easy A there, but um, she was struggling, and so he would tutor her. We said, Eric, she's just using you for Norwegian. We sat him down as good friends. We said, she's playing you, man. Don't do this. She's going to break your heart. She's not sending those feelings back your way. It's all one-way street here, pal. Come back to risk. <laughs> he, would, he would get up at 7 in the morning on a day he didn't have a class till 1.20 to walk her to breakfast. Completely changed his life, his behavior. His love for her was profound. He was smitten. He couldn't not love the relationship, the friendship that was blossoming. It just changed everything about him. It changed his behaviors. He, she made him a better person. He was changed by that love and by that relationship. Now let me show you another picture. This is 1980, six years prior to them meeting in Norwegian class. But, oh, I'm a picture ahead. This is them now. They got married. I jumped ahead one slide. But they got married. These are their three beautiful girls. So the intervention didn't work. Now let me show you a picture from 1980. This is Norwegian language camp in Minnesota. I apologize up front for the camp counselor in the jean shorts. I didn't, there's nothing I could do about that. I thought about blurring it out, but I didn't know what to do. So, it's just, there you go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is the closing day ceremony where the parents drive up to pick up the kids, and the group behind the counselor are singing Norwegian song. And the group over in the back to the right, a little hard to see on a sunny day, but they're just back enjoying the concert on the closing program. Now let me circle a camper singing three in. That's Alyssa. Now in the background, let me circle a 13-year-old boy. That's Eric. They were at camp together all week that week and didn't meet and didn't know it. She was closer than he could ever imagine, and he didn't know it. And when he finally met her, and that relationship started, it would rock his world. Her dad took this picture, and it wasn't until later in life they discovered they were at the camp together. Now back to Peter, the disciple of Jesus. His life was about to be completely rocked by a relationship with the risen Christ. Because in that room with the eleven and the women who went to the tomb, who were hiding out for their very lives, because the Romans who put Jesus to death were probably coming for us, 
We're next. In that room that Sunday night on that first Easter, Jesus appeared to them in the flesh. He ate with them. He connected the scriptures of the Old Testament to them. He said, see, this is all related. And then he told them that you are going to be my witnesses now. It's going to start in Jerusalem, and then it's going to spread throughout the whole known ancient world in the first century, and then it's going to be this incredible movement across the globe, and in 2019, there's going to be a room full of people worshiping at Alleluia. Well, he didn't say that, but that's what happened. How else do you explain that? The Romans had a lot to lose with the rumor that Jesus' body was not in the tomb. They put two guards in front of the tomb and they were told, if, this, if, if anything happens to this body, you will be put to death. The religious leaders of the day had a lot to lose because this is the one, this is the, the one causing trouble, stirring up trouble, messing with their faith, put them to death through the Roman rules and laws on Good Friday. How else do you explain it? How else do you explain when you research and you look into the historical Jesus who walked this earth at this particular time, in this particular place, in this context, that on Friday he was put in a tomb, but on Sunday he's alive? And because of that, lives change. Peter's life would change. He was now preaching 50 days after the resurrection in Jerusalem, in the middle of the town, preaching the whole story of Jesus, how he was put to death and how he rose from the grave to conquer sin and death, to win the victory over both of those things. He was out there, and the scriptures say that 3,000 people came to faith that day. And people have been coming to faith when they hear the good news of Jesus Christ alive and risen, who's conquered sin and death through the, by, by walking out of that tomb. They come to faith every day. Lives change every day. This Peter was a fisherman. He did not have a communications major or a seminary degree. And yet he went out and he put his life on the line. Why? Because he encountered the risen Christ. When he left the tomb that morning, he hadn't. And he was wondering what was going on. And he was afraid. And he was unbelieving. And he was scared. And he was with his friends hiding. But on the day of Pentecost, he's out preaching and became the greatest preacher of the early church. How else do you explain that? People will put their life on the line for what they believe to be true, but they'd never do it for a lie, would they? First thing is Easter faith changes lives. Peter's life was completely changed. So let me ask you, how has your life been changed by the risen Christ? How has it changed you? How is it connected with you? The second thing I want to celebrate quickly with you here in conclusion is that Easter faith frees us from sin and death. You want to read this with me? Here we go. Easter faith frees us from sin. Romans 6, 5 says, since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. Earlier in that text, it says, we die to our old selves in the waters of baptism, but we're raised to new life. So as Christ goes down into the tomb through baptism, we're buried with him. But as he rises on Easter Sunday, we rise to new life. What happens to him happens to us because we believe in him. How can it be? 
How can it be? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 36, he says this. So if the Son, speaking of himself, sets you free, you are what? Jesus, you say I'm free? Free from sin? Free from death? How can it be? And the same answer comes from the risen Christ who earlier in John's gospel said God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will never die, but have eternal life. If we're united with him in a death like his, certainly we will be raised in a resurrection like his. Easter faith frees us from sin and death. Jesus has won the final victory for you. Your sins are forgiven by faith. You live in the promise of eternal life by faith. That's what Easter faith is all about. And so I want to come back to that question I launched at you earlier. Eternal life with God? Or eternal separation from God? You see, it's not so much a choice. But rather, simply surrendering. Surrendering to the truth. And I'd like to shout out that truth with you in conclusion this morning, one last time. He is risen! He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.